Greetings, folks. Friends at Prairie, uh, I sat in that dining room many a time and, and had meals. It's, it's, I'm glad we're doing the video in there, the Zoom in the chapel this today in the dining room because it is a very familiar place with, for me. Um, greetings. Uh, I assume there's some faculty and staff and maybe even some folks from the community that are here this morning. Uh, praise God. Uh, Lynn and I had, uh, we, we spent uh, five years on staff after I graduated and it was a wonderful time. Uh, Mark, as you were referring to, during that time, the school let me off during the summer months. So I went down to Grace Theological Seminary and, and got a degree in missions because that's where we believe God was sending us. Here in the Pacific Northwest, I bring you greetings, but we have very dark weather, rain, wind, and it's rather miserable, but it's bright and sunny on Linda and my heart. Uh, she had to run out to a Bible study or she would be here just saying hello for a minute because we appreciate all of you. We appreciate all the years that Prairie invested in us. And the investment has gone out into other parts of the world. One of the things that we really enjoyed about Prairie during our time there, if you've grown up in the Pacific Northwest, you know that this has been an unusual year, but a typical year is it's dark and rainy, drizzle a lot of the time. But on the prairies, you have open skies, big skies, and it's sunny most of the time, at least from my remember. It does get cold, and so that's the background behind me uh, on the border of Alberta and BC and the winter. Yeah, that's the last time we've been able to be up in your country was so about two and a half years ago in the middle of the winter. Yes, indeed. I remember put putting up the road in 1972 in my 1959 hippie VW bus to begin my study, studies and life transformation there at Prairie. No, there were no pink or blue sidewalks. People were telling me there were, but I got there and I was disappointed. For us, that began a journey and an adventure that continues to this day. We are not here to talk about that, but rather to reflect on Jesus' words to two disciples on the Emmaus Road found in Luke 24 and 13 to 35. These two, Cleopas was one of them that was named, were not part of the uh, core group of the 11 disciples. Perhaps they were counted among the 70 followers that Jesus sent out from into Judea about a year and a half before his crucifixion. In any case, Cleopas and his companion encountered the most remarkable opportunity to providentially enroll in a crash course with a risen master himself. And I would title that course, Footprints of Jesus, the Messiah, through Moses and the prophets. Before we get started in the scripture text, though, let me take a moment just to affirm all of you students. I commend each of you for offering this year of your life 
to pursue God's word. Good on you. May God bless you and make his face shine upon you brightly this year. As you diligently seek him in his word and seek to obey his word to you. You'll never be sorry. This quite likely will be one of the most important years of your life, especially those of you that are in the three or four year program. Most definitely like God's conditional promise to Abraham, your devotion to him will set you on a glorious journey. We will talk about that in a minute, but for now, be assured that as you listen, trust, obey, you will learn from God's word. You will be abundantly blessed and you will become a blessing to many, many other people. You won't even believe, you, you won't believe now the impact that you will have on so many people around the world. And then another amazing thing is God is bringing the world right here to you. I haven't been up to Three Hills recently, but when I was there, because of Prairie, there were people from all over the world. But in the town itself, there weren't that many. But that our world has changed today. So let's let's begin just by a quick review of of the MAS Road. And I'm not sure how this series has gone, but I assume, Mark, you can nod your head. I assume that. Uh, you've had a message on the MS Road already? Yeah, good. So I'll break in. So the, so Jesus encounters these two guys as they're walking up the road, just dejected, um, confused, trying to put it all together. And he says to them, what you're talking about? And they said, have you been lost? Where have you been? And they explained that the one that they had hoped Jesus Christ, who they'd hoped would be the redeemer of Israel, had been crucified. And then they were, they were beside that. I mean, they were dejected enough just by that. But then women came. Uh, apparently, they had been in the upper room, hidden away because of all the events. And women came into the room and they said, we went to the tomb and he's not there. And then we met these angels and they said he's alive. And if you remember the account there, uh, all the followers of Jesus, the ones that knew, knew him personally for three years, who had been told, they said, oh, these ladies, they haven't got a clue what's going on. And, and they put him aside. They just wouldn't believe him. So these two disciples were, had been discussing this, and Jesus uh, called their bluff, so to speak. He said, oh, foolish ones lacking in understanding, slow and dull of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken? Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures and the things concerning himself. We're going to look specifically at uh, what many things that Christ probably explained about Abraham today. How Christ explained to these two on that road, how Abraham was a foreshadow of himself and had a plan for the ages. 
I call this uh, topic today the call of Abraham and the same call from Christ to each of us. We'll look at it in three points. Abraham's background and the redemptive history lesson for the two Emmaus travelers. Second point will be the call of Abraham and the call of the two disciples. And we'll wrap up with God, those two, me and you. So let's start. Abraham's background and the redemptive history lesson for two Emmaus travelers. I've noticed when I'm speaking lately that my mouth gets very dry. This is this this Zoom is going to drive me crazy. I'm looking at all these people out there, and there's uh, you're too you're 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 too you're not animated enough. Your students, my goodness, where's your where's your uh, where's your energy? My goodness. So we're going to look at uh, Genesis eleven twenty two to. Um, Genesis 12, 4. And while you're turning, consider everything that had gone on in history up to this point in humanity before Abraham was born, before, before Abram was born. Uh, we could summarize this passage, these first 11 chapters of, of Genesis, as it went from bad to worse for civilization. It was a general review of mankind for hundreds, thousands of years. Genesis three, we have the fall of man. Genesis four, murder. Cain kills his brother. Genesis six, before God judges the, the world with a flood, every intention of the thoughts of man's heart was only evil continually. How bad could it get? In uh, chapter eight, the flood rid the earth of of all but eight people. Yet the sinful nature of man still enslaved every human being. By chapter 11, people rebelled, declared their independence and self-sufficiency from God and built a tower of Babel to set up their own kingdom without God. This is beginning to sound like big tech and wokeism today. We don't need God. This was a world that Abram was born into. By the time he, he came along, descendants of Noah had become nations and scattered all over the world. And they were like, they were made up of hundreds, maybe thousands of languages, different cultures, and myriads of tribal gods. All these different peoples had their own gods. To gain some perspective, Noah died only about 40 years before Abram was born. You know, I, I had, in studying, preparing for that, I, I was doing the math and I thought, my goodness, one generation before Abram was born was when Noah was dying at 950 years. Shem, his son, uh, was born 100 years before the flood. And he continued well into Abram's uh, adulthood. 
So Shem, who had experienced the flood, had experienced the before and how terrible things were. He, if I don't, I have no idea whether he was able to mix it up with Abram or not, but those stories would have been live and real during the time that many of the uh, survivors of, of uh, uh, right after the flood, and they could have passed those that knowledge of God and what had happened on to Abram when he was a grown man. My wife and I have had the privilege to be in the Philippines uh, for 25 years. That was some years ago. And then since then, we've, we've kind of worked in international director capacity all over the world. And during that time and after, we've had the opportunity to visit several of the people that we discipled in the Philippines and then into India, Nepal, Cambodia. And, um, oh, I don't know if you heard that, but my alarm just went off. You know what that means? Not for you, but for me, it's 938. Um, Matthew 9:38 Pray ye the Lord of the harvest to send forth workers throughout the world. So that reminds me pray and it's right at this time. So in India, Nepal, Cambodia, China, Korea and elsewhere in Asia we would go and visit those that we were discipling in the Philippines and see the work. More recently we've been serving in Africa as non non-resident missionaries and more and mostly in Uganda and in Nigeria. It's interesting that and it's amazing that much of what's going on on the planet today resembles the conditions of Genesis 3 to 11. The day of missions has definitely not ended. It's not over. One example, the Fulani people who uh, live primarily in the Sahal, which is the, the south of the Sahara Desert, some estimate there's over 40 million of them, and they're, they're split up in many tribes. They remain a frontier people, unreached with the gospel of Jesus, yet they are reachable. Despite what you read in the paper, but that Fulani kill hundreds of Christians, and they do that, uh, friends of ours and those that we're working with are building schools and agricultural projects among them, some living with them. Ethiopian Christians that were trained by graduates of Prairie, uh, the Brants, have uh, been sent to work and live among the Fulani people. And they, as, as these believers go and become trusted friends and build relationship with the Fulani, they're blessing this nations, these nations of people. So even though we have conditions similar to those at the beginning of time, um, there's still opportunities to be a blessing to them. So let's get back to our story. Something significant happened in the Genesis record at this point, something incredibly important for human race that impacts us right down to today. The story turns in 11, 23, and gives an overview. Before that, it gives an overview of the helplessness and the hopelessness of all the people and nations, but 
it then in chapter 12 changes and it begins to focus instead of a general overview on a specific person, on a family, on a nation. And I'm sure that as Jesus was walking with those two disciples, he pointed out this. This led to Abraham's encounter with God. Genesis eleven thirty one. 31. Terah took Abraham, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, with son Abraham, which was Abraham's wife. And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Sarah, Sarai, was barren. And so as this promise comes to Abraham, he's faced with a wife that can't have children. And an important side note is that Stephen, in Acts 7, 2 to 4, expounds to the Jewish authorities that were questioning him why he was pronouncing and, and sharing and preaching Jesus. He said, why are you doing this? And he begins by saying, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran and said to him, did you catch that? God appears to Abraham in Ur of the Chaldees. And he says to him, go out from your land and from your kindred and go into the land that I will show you. Then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there, Ur of the Chaldeans, into this land in which you are now living. I understand this to mean that Abraham probably received a first call from God when he was in Mesopotamia, down in Ur of the Chaldeans. God appeared to him, it says. He said something like, get out of the earth of the Chaldeas, and I will show you where I want you to live. From then on, I will be your one and only God. In, in Abram's world, there are many gods. Each tribe had a god. In fact, during this time in history, people were, people were getting you know, households, family, tribe gods. And God very clearly speaks to him before the passage uh, in Exodus 11, when Terah takes Abraham and his family and goes up to Haran. So he had a first call. What is interesting is God told him to leave his kindred, which would include his extended family and, of course, the extended tribes in which he and all their mores the traditions, the religious beliefs and practices. Yet he didn't have, he, uh, Abram didn't leave Terah and his nephew when he went up to Ur of the Chaldees. And I wonder if Jesus would have reminded his two companions that when John the Baptist first pointed to Jesus, to Andrew and John and said, behold the Lamb of God, that Jesus, the Son of God, referring to himself, first appeared to them and invited them to spend the night with him. 
they were so thrilled and excited in recognizing him as the Messiah that they hurried to tell Peter and others. It wasn't until about a year and a half later, however, that Jesus called them again the second time to a full-time commitment. And I, and I see a, maybe a parallel there. I don't know if you, any of you have ever caught that, but I see almost a parallel there that, that I believe God called Abram. He didn't give the, guess, the blessed part of it, but he called him to go. And it may, and I have no idea, it may have been some years later that he, that when his father got going and went up to Haran, that that's when the move began. And it was then in Haran that he got the second call. Perhaps the disciples, those two disciples on the road began to connect the dots. Maybe their hearts, it said later, they, they declared later, our hearts burned within us. But the, the, their hearts probably began to stir as Jesus was explaining about this background of, of the conditions of, and the redemption of God coming and choosing this one man and this one family. God called Abram to follow him. Jesus called John and Andrew, Peter and Nathaniel and Philip to follow him. Is Jesus now calling us to follow him? Our son died in a motorcycle accident six years ago. He heard Jesus call him. His life motto was, leave people better than I found them. I talked to a young lady, a barista, probably about the same age as some of you young ladies there in, in chapel today. She was there at my son's house to, along with about 30 others that were mourning the loss of Stephen. I asked her who she was. I had never seen her before and how she knew Stephen. She said, I was depressed and hopeless with life. In fact, she said, I am depressed and hopeless with life. I've been making terrible decisions. She said, but Stephen would come into the coffee shop and he would always have something to compliment me on. He would inspire me to think more positive about life and how I could get out of the mess I've made in my life and do something great. Then she looked at me, maybe a little bit like those two on the Emmaus Road looked at Jesus. And she said, what am I going to do now? Now that he's passed. At Stephen's memorial service a couple of days later, we were celebrating his life. And there was many testimonies sharing the blessings of Christ upon his life and how he had been a blessing to so many others. In fact, several were saying things like, well, Stephen wouldn't be say this, but I was Stephen's, or I was his best, uh, he was my best friend. He, he did so much to encourage me. We gave an invitation at the end of the memorial service and Erica believed and by faith began to get into his word and follow, running after Jesus and sharing the good news with others. Since her transformation, many have come to Christ in her family, and she's joyously going after so many of their friends that, that 
Stephen had influence but hadn't made the decision yet. And she said, my calling in life is to see that all of these have an opportunity to follow Jesus too. She was set free and she was blessed by God. And she continues to be a blessing to so many others. So this brings us to the call of Abraham and the call of the disciples. These two on the Emmaus Road. Jesus then could have said something like, now I want you to pay very close attention to the call of Abraham and what it tells you about my work among you these last three years. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families, you get that? In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham didn't delay. It says, and Abraham went as the Lord told him and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed Haran. So there's a second call in my understanding of the scriptures. Friends, here is where I really would like to have been unnamed, that unnamed uh, companion with Cleopas. I would have asked Jesus several questions. One would have been, what made Abraham do it? I mean, he was affluent. He was in a great city, probably one of the greatest cities in the world at that time. What was the difference from all the others that lived at the same time? Why did, why did he get the call? How could he just leave it all and trust God? He had just met God. Maybe a few years before that, God had, had appeared to him. And I think there was probably a Christophany in which God actually appeared to him and called him. But it doesn't seem that he appeared. He responded to that appearance the first time. But note this time the condition of God's promise. If you abandon your personal identity and security, if you abandon your lifestyle and your aspirations and you follow me to the place I will lead you, then I will make you a nation. I will bless you. I will establish you. And not only that, I will bless all the families of the earth in and through you. That was God's word. That was his promise to Abraham. What did Abraham have to do? Step into it. What did Abraham do? He believed. Plain and simple. Abraham listened to God's offer and he responded promptly. Maybe the first time he didn't do it, but this time he did. He responded by faith, and then he took action, and he left Haran. He left his father there. He left his, his tribal ways as we understand them, and he pursued God. I'm sure Jesus pointed out to Abraham, pointed out Abraham's faith came by hearing God's word when he spoke to him. God made a provisional promise. Abraham heard it. And he believed. And we're told in the New Testament, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. So again, students, 
bless you for being there this year. Be about the word of God. Be about seeking God's face in and as you study the word. Abraham jumped on it. God obviously opened Abraham's, uh, Abram's eyes to see the hope of glory that was being presented to him. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. Through Abraham's faith and obedience to God's call, Abraham became God's covenantal representative for people, the people of God. You know, in you, all the families of earth shall be blessed. In this way, Abraham became a type of Christ, foreshadowing Christ's new covenantal relationship with all believers. Not only was Abraham in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, he was a man of faith and became the father of faith to all those who would respond to God in the same way. I think at this point in the story, Jesus had the two disciples' jaws just dropping as they began to recognize. They'd, they'd heard this story many times in the synagogues, but they'd never seen it the way Jesus unveiled it, that, that this story of Abraham and the story of Abraham's willingness to sacrifice his own son, it was all a foreshadow of what Christ, what our Heavenly Father was going to do for us by sending his son to die in our stead. The entire narrative of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob pointed to not only the Messiah, but to the righteousness that comes not from keeping the law, like the Judaism was teaching, but by faith in the Messiah and his finished work. There, it says that their hearts burned within them. And I think that burned for maybe three reasons. They had followed Christ for several months, at least part-time. They weren't like the 11 that were full-time, but they were there. They had listened to his word that he had told them, that one greater than Moses was with them. They had heard him predict his sufferings and death and resurrection on the third day, and yet they didn't have the faith of Abraham that something like this could be could happen. They had a they had a view of the kingdom that was totally different than God's, because they saw it as something for themselves, and and thus Israel was not being a blessing to the nations. They were when Jesus died, they were ready to give it all up. They were discouraged. They had hoped Jesus would be the one to redeem Israel. When he was crucified and buried, they were dejected. Furthermore, they were confused when these ladies came and started talking about angels and it was Jesus that was alive. They were slow to understand. They were dull in their hearts to believe. That's an important thing to ponder. Are we sometimes slow in our hearts to believe? What makes our hearts slow to believe and respond to the word of God? I pray that you students, I pray for ourselves, faculty, that all of us, as we go to the word of God, that we would ask him to enlighten our eyes to see from his precious word, to hear his voice, and to empower us by his Holy Spirit to respond correctly. The second reason their hearts burned in, the, in my mind is that Jesus interpreted Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac. They clearly understood 
that both Abraham and Isaac were types of God, the Father, and Jesus Christ. They were shown that Jesus is ultimately the seed of Abraham's offspring, in which and by which all the nations would be blessed, redeemed through faith. God gave his only son as a substitutionary sacrifice for the sins of the people, as Abraham acts of faith obedience foreshadowed. Isaac and the ram caught in the thicket foreshadowed Jesus' death and resurrection. Those Emmaus pilgrims couldn't wait to share the good news to the company at the upper room. So they ran and their hearts burned probably in a third way. And that deep within their souls, they recognized that this Jesus that was predicted and foreshadowed in the call of Abraham was now calling them, that God was calling them to herald the good news. And so they couldn't contain it. They dashed back to that upper room where those people were locked down, not because of COVID. They were locked down because uh, of fear and confusion. So what does that have to do with us? I'm sure Jesus quoted God's words to Abraham to his two companions on the Emmaus road. After Abraham's readiness and faithfulness to offer his beloved summons to sacrifice. And maybe in the same way as you and I and you, especially your students, as you've given this year to the Lord as a sacrifice. Lord, I give my life to you for this year to get into your word and to study it and to know you. And in this case, after Abram's readiness and faithfulness to offer his son, God said to him, I will surely bless you and will multiply your offspring. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. The covenant with Abraham was no longer conditional. It was no longer if you will obey or if you go, then I will be, make your name great. It was uh, the Father, God the Father, in response to Abraham's willingness to obey him, even to the point of sacrificing him, his son, God swore by himself a, the covenant and then he sealed it. Abraham became the father of all who truly believed and obeyed by following Jesus by following him and then following Jesus. These became the offspring. Those, all those that believe become the offspring of Abraham. The two on the Emmaus road discovered that in their revived faith in the risen Lord Jesus Christ, they were indeed the true offspring of Abraham who were called to be a blessing to all the nations of the world. In March of 1971, God called me. It was probably the second or third time that I can remember God prompting me in my life. The first two times he called were not met by faith or obedience. The third time I said, Lord, if you will cleanse me from my sins, you have all of me. Friends, Jesus has immersed you in God's word there at Prairie. Read it, study it, 
love it. Listen to the voice of the author. Be like those two on the Emmaus Road. Commune with the master. Burn with a hot passion to know the word and to make it known. To know God and to make him known. From pers my personal life experience and from, the, from witnessing hundreds of serious followers of Jesus all over the world, it is a glorious journey to sell out for God. There will be hardships and tribulations, absolutely for sure. They're going to come. Jesus forewarned it. Just like he calls us and calls to bless us, he told us we're going to face tribulation. Yet the privilege, the satisfaction, the peace, the triumphant overcoming is pure divine blessing. Follow Abraham's example as we've examined this morning. As you read and study the word of God, as you hear the spirit's still small voice, believe, obey, follow. By faith out of following Jesus, step out after him. Go and make of disciples beginning right there in three hills. God bless you and multiply your commitments.